1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's uh, pray for a moment again. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. You inspired these words. They're for us. May your voice be clear. Amen. This summer, we're studying the book of 1 John, which is an apostolic letter that was addressed to Christians in the early church. And in the verses that we're looking at this morning, we are told not to love the world. That's what it says in verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. And I have three questions about that, okay? First, what does John mean by the world? Right, what is the world? Second, why should we not love the world? And then third, how do we stop loving the world? So what is the world? Why shouldn't we love it? And how do we stop? We'll start with this. What, what does John mean when he, he says, do not love the world? And here's why I'm asking that question. Probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible is John 3.16, which says, for God so loved the, the world. So if God loves the world, what does John mean when he tells us not to love the world, right? Well, the word that is translated world um, is a word in the New Testament that has a variety of meanings, Sometimes it just basically means the planet Earth. So um, Acts 17, 24, it says God made the world and everything in it. And that's just talking about the physical world, the, the, uh, the mountains, the oceans, the forests. John is not using the word that way here. I mean, we're supposed to love the planet, right? This is God's creation. God loves his creation. We should love it and care for it. So that's not what he means. doesn't mean the planet. Um, at other times in the Bible, the, the word world means the people who live in the world. So there's a place, for example, in John 12 where the Pharisees are all upset because of how popular Jesus is becoming. And one of them says, see how the whole world has gone after him. And, and he was just talking about all the people going after Jesus. And again, that's not John the way he's using the word. And here in 1 John 2, he doesn't mean people. We're supposed to love people. Would you agree with that? I mean, Jesus even said we should love our enemies. So when John tells us not to love the world, he's not talking about the planet. He's not talking about people. Here's what he means. By world here, he means the system of fallen sinful humanity that has allied itself together against the kingdom of God. He means the, the system of fallen humanity allied, joined against God's kingdom. You could say it this way. By world, he, he means the, the, the distorted values and the distorted priorities of the civilization that we live in and every other human civilization that has ever preceded us. He just, 
He means the same thing that the Apostle Paul meant in Romans 12, verse 2, when he said, do not be conformed to the world. And what Paul meant was, don't be shaped, don't be shaped by the warped values of the society that you live in. So that's what John means when he says, don't love the world. He's just saying, listen, uh, the, the society, the culture, the system that you live in is messed up. Don't let your heart be enamored by it. Don't let your life be shaped by it. Now, Christians who take that command seriously will always be very, very thoughtful, very careful when they make decisions about the places they go, the entertainment they see, the purchases they make, the clothing they wear, because they, they realize that this is not just some kind of theoretical suggestion. This is not just kind of some spiritual uh, platitude. To, not to love the world will have a direct impact on, on practical decisions you make in your day-to-day -day life, right? Here's what's strange about this passage. When, when John ex explains what it means not to love the world, he doesn't talk about the places we go. He doesn't talk about the entertainment we see. He doesn't talk about the purchases we make. He doesn't talk about the clothing we wear. His focus is not on external behaviors. His focus is on internal impulses, internal attitudes of the heart. So you see this in verse 16. Here's the way he defines everything in the world. He defines it as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those concepts have been broken down this way. The lust, the lust of the flesh refers to our appetites, right? We, we have desires. We desire comfort and food and sex and, and novelty, and we desire convenience. We desire excitement. These are our appetites, right? That's, that's the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes is referring to, to our affections, those, those things that appeal to us because of their appearance, they, all, that, all that appears fashionable. Right? All that appears cool, all that appears intelligent or, or impressive or everything that's, that's, that's aesthetically pleasing. So the lust of the flesh is probably talking about our appetites, the lust of the eyes, talking about our affections, and the pride of life is talking about our ambitions. We all have ambitions. We want, we want to be respected. We want to be honored. We want people to like us. We want to be envied, admired. And so we, we find ourselves just taking pride in our accomplishments, taking pride in our possessions, taking pride in, in uh, the social contacts and networks we have. So when John says, don't love the world, he's, he's, he's saying, keep a very close watch on, on your appetites, your affections, your ambitions. Um, don't give your hearts to these things. Now, second question, why? Why should we not love the world? Basically, John gives us two reasons. He says, don't love the world because of the world's direction and because of the world's duration. So, first, it's direction. Guys, the world, the world is going the wrong direction, right? It's, it's, it, it is, it's on a path that is leading it in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. That's the direction the world is headed. The world, 
The world is opposed to God. Verse 15, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Meaning, John is saying, you cannot love the world and love God at the same time. If you follow the ways of the world, he says, you will be headed in the opposite direction of, of the direction that Christ would lead you if you were to follow him. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, he said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the, the one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and the rewards of this world. So the world's direction is all wrong. It's leading, it's leading us in the exact opposite direction. God leads to life. The world leads to death. And, and why, why are the directions so drastically different because what the world values and what is valued in the kingdom of God, they're not the same things, are they? So if you just think about it, think about our society. What is, what is our world value? What's important here? Well, uh, success, right? Status, accomplishment, wealth, Beauty, power, those are the things that you are told every day should be most important to you. Do you know what's valued in the kingdom of God? People, relationships, shalom is the, is the old biblical word. You know what that means? It, it just means the harmonious well-being, listen, of everyone in the community. That, that, those things are valued. You know what else is valued? The honor and the glory of Almighty God. It, just um, joyful gratitude to God for all of His blessings, humble obedience to God in, in, in His Word. So you see the values of the world and the values of the kingdom, they are direct, they're opposites. They value different things. This, this is why James, in James chapter 4, man, James didn't, he, he didn't hold back. Here's what he said. He said, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, he said, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And I, and I think James and Paul and John, they would all just, all these apostles would say to us, man, if, if you find your heart valuing what the world values, it really doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how often you go to church. Does it? it doesn't even matter if, if, uh, if you are theologically correct in all your doctrinal positions. They would say, listen, if, if, if your heart is valuing the things that the world values, the apostles would say, you're not following God. Dietrich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. He said, if you board the wrong train, it's no use running along the corridor in the other direction. Meaning if, if, if you're following the ways of the world, man, you, you cannot follow the Almighty. So one, one reason, John says, we shouldn't love the world is because of its direction, right? It's going the wrong way. The, another reason he gives us is because of its duration. And what I mean is, guys, this world won't last it's not going to last. Give, to give your heart to the priorities and the values of, of, of the, the fallen world around you, it's, it's to buy stock in a company that is going bankrupt. 
It's, it's like to get on, on board a, a ship that is already sinking. Verse 17, John says, the world and its desires pass away. And what he's telling us here is that there is absolutely nothing this world can offer you that will last one second beyond the grave. Nothing. No matter how much money you earn, no matter how much money you save, you know you're not taking any of it with you, right? And, and, and no matter how often, no matter how often you go to the gym and work out, you're going to get old. You're going to get weak. You're going to die. No matter how far you advance in your career, how many promotions and accolades and awards. Listen, let me tell you, I don't care how... I don't care how much you become a big shot. Everyone will forget you. Everyone. It's, he says, the world and its desires pass away. But, he says, whoever does the will of God lives forever. Imagine you go on vacation and you check into a hotel. You're there for three days. It's the Ramada Inn. You are in room 234. You walk into the room, and you notice that you don't really like the color of the carpet. I mean, you like green, but not that shade of green. And the picture on the wall, please, who put that there? And, and the lamp in the corner, that's not really the style you're looking for. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, of course, you go down to the bank, and you take out a loan. You second mortgage on your home, and you hire a general contractor, and you have him gut the entire room 234, a whole new bathroom, whole new carpet, whole new furnishing. You invest tens of thousands of dollars in that room because you're going to stay there for three days. No, no, you don't do that. Why would you invest so heavenly in a place that you're not going to stay in for very long? You get the point, right? So the world's, man, its direction is wrong. Its duration is finite. It's taking, it's taking us the wrong direction. And even if you travel that road and enjoy traveling that road, it's not going to last. So that's why John says, don't love the world. It's not because he's just scolding us. Be a good boy. Be a good girl. Don't love the world. That's not it. He's just saying, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. So that's why. Now, my third question. This is the biggie. How do we stop loving the world? Uh, and, and let's just, here's why I ask that. Because we, you know, to be honest, and you're supposed to be honest in church, right? To be honest. Man, the world is attractive, isn't it? I mean, there's just, have you, listen, have you seen what they got at Costco's these days? They got some good stuff over there. It's really, and Macy's, there's some really good stuff. And, and there are some fantastic restaurants. And, and, and there's just, and it feels so good when people like you. And it just, so the, we're all, listen, we, are, we all feel the attraction of the world. Don't tell me you don't. The world, the world is like that black hole Nobody escapes its gravitational pull. We all feel it. And here's what makes it even harder. We live in the world. We can't help it. I mean, you have to live here, right? So, for example, you don't want to worship money, but you have to have money. I mean, how are you going to live? You have to use money. And, and you, 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 we don't want to become slaves to our appetites, but you can't help having an appetite. You can't just stop being human. You, you desire food. You desire sex. You desire... So, what are you supposed to do? And we, 
We don't want to allow our lives to revolve completely around our careers, but you got to work. In fact, God says we honor him by our work. So here's the question that Christian men, Christian women have been grappling with for centuries. How do we live in the world and yet not be of the world, not be in love with it? Well, the answer, I think, is in verse 15. Let me read verse 15 for you. It says... Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, they are not trying hard enough. So you see, that's the solution. You got to put some work into this. You got to put some effort and try. Wait a minute. I read it wrong. It's not what it says. That's not what it says. I, I should put my glasses on because I made a mistake. Verse 15 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, they need to escape its influence. And see, that's the problem. It's not your effort. It's your environment. You're living in the wrong place. You need to move out of New York City. Go somewhere where people are nice. There's family values. That's, again, not what it says. And the problem is my glasses are dirty. So I need to clean them and read this one more time and get this right. Here, oh, here's what, this is what it says. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not there. So... You see what John is saying? He's saying the problem is not, it's not a self-discipline problem. It's not a problem of effort. And it's not even an environmental problem. It's, it's not your surroundings. He's saying it's a love problem. It's in your heart. If, if you're in love with the world, John is saying, listen, the reason that you love the world so much is because you love the Father so little. And so I think John is saying that the only, the only way to drive love for the world out of your heart is to put love for the Father into your heart. You need, to, you need to drive out that old love with a new love, which reminds me of that old song by the Beach Boys, Help Me Rhonda. Some, some of you are too young to know this song. Listen, the song tells a story, all right? And it's like this. The songwriter apparently got his heart broken. His girlfriend dumped him for some other guy, and now he can't stop. He can't stop thinking about it. He can't stop wanting her. He can't, he can't stop missing her. And so he knows the only way he's ever going to stop loving his old girlfriend is to fall in love with a new girlfriend, right? So he turns to Rhonda, and these are the lyrics. Well, Rhonda, you look so fine, and I know it wouldn't take much time for you to help me, Rhonda, Help, help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Yeah, get her out of my heart. You see, the songwriter knows the only way he's going to, the only way he will ever leave behind that old destructive love is to get a new love with someone better. Now, that song is probably not good dating advice. All right? It's not. I mean, someone's on the rebound. Stay away from them. That's not, that's not good advice. But it's actually pretty good practical theology. 
That old Scottish preacher Thomas Chalmers, he said, the only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. And what he meant is the only way to fall out of love with the world is to fall into love with God. That's the, that's the way to stop hankering after the, the, uh, the, the, the temporary pleasures of the world. Stop loving these things. You need a new love. You need to fall deeply, deeply in love with God. So how do you do that? Well, I think the only way to do that, to fall in love with God, is to see again how much God loves you. Do you know that he loves you? I, I think it's worth noting that in verse 15, John refers to God as the Father. Now, he could have written this, if anyone loves the world, love for God is not in them, right? Or if anyone loves the world, love for the Almighty is not in them, or love for the Creator is not. He could have said that, it would have been fine. But he doesn't. He goes out of his way to say, if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not. He's just, it's like he wants to remind you, Christian, God is your Father. He's your Father. This is, this is one of the amazing truths of the Bible. I mean, the Bible tells us that whenever anyone comes to God with simple faith in Jesus Christ, God himself adopts them into his family. You become God's daughter. You become God's son. God becomes your father. Now, listen, I understand. There are some earthly fathers. There are some, maybe you had a, a father like this. There are some earthly fathers who don't do a very good job loving their kids. There are some absent fathers who abandon their children. There, there are some abusive fathers who hurt their children. But I want you to hear this, Christian. Your heavenly father is not like that. He loves you. Oh, how he loves you. You're, listen, your father, your heavenly father, believer, he loves you with what John later calls in this book, perfect love. God, God, believer, God could not love you any more than he does right now because his love for you is infinite. What's bigger than infinite, right? And and he will never love you any less than he does right now because his love for you is permanent. Why is it permanent? Because it's not based on how you feel today. It's not based on your performance this last week. It's not, it's not based on what you do, what you don't do. Listen, God's love for you is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. The only way that God would ever stop loving you, believer, is if Jesus didn't die and rise again. But he did. There's no changing that. And so if you've trusted him, there is no changing God's love for you. You see why John, I think he, he says, I just want to remind you, the one whom I'm calling you to love, the one, the one if, if you fall in love with him, your love for him will just try, the world won't even look good anymore. He says, I just want to remind you, he's your father. Oh, he loves you. Years ago, I'll close with this, there was another song much older than the Beach Boys, an old African-American spiritual. And the men and women who first sang this song 
had nothing that the world offers. I mean, they, they, they were just deprived of any, any opportunity for, for possessions, for privilege, for, for any kind of position of, of influence in society. The world just beat them up from the day they were born. And they sang this song. And you know what they sang? They did not sing, give me the world. I want the world. You've deprived me of the world. That's not what they sang. This old song, they sang this. Give me Jesus. They said, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have this whole world. Give me Jesus. Now, why did they sing that? I'll tell you why. Because they saw him in his word, in his gospel. They got a glimpse of beauty, the beauty of Jesus. And seeing that, they wanted nothing else. How will we live in the world this week and yet not love it? How will you do your jobs and yet not let them become idols? How will we care for our bodies and its appetites without them becoming inordinate appetites that control us? There's only one way. There's only one way. You need a better love. You need to see the one who loves you. You will be invited to come see him now at this table. Let me pray. Show us how much you love us, Father. Show us that you gave the Son. Fill our hearts with love for you. Amen.